She's going to come up and testify. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Good morning. So I'm going to testify this morning about God's faithfulness in finances. You know, we hear every week about tithes and offerings. And, man, when we put it into practice, I could testify for my family's life. When we put that into practice and we put that faith into practice, we see God give it back to us. We really do. And it's not just a little bit back to us. It's pressed down and shaken together and running over. I just have a quick testimony. Um, there was a time we were, we paid all our bills, you know, but we didn't really have money left. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how are we going to get through the rest of the month? And um, I didn't really say it out loud. I didn't tell my husband. I was just like, man, like, God, we need you. You know, we give. We give faithfully. When you tell us to give, we give, you know. And uh, it was probably about a week or a week and a half later, I go to the mailbox, and it says, you know, Lauren Sienski, and I'm like, what is this? And I open it up, dude, and it is a check for $700 from a furniture store that we, we accidentally paid more interest than we were supposed to. Dude, right on time, for no reason. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, from heaven. <laughs> from heaven come on and that is what God does when we give he gives back to us so the scripture that I'm going to read is Luke 6 38 it says give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you come on let's pray this morning father we thank you so much that you care about our lives we thank you God that you are a good provider we thank you for your faithfulness in all times, Lord. And as your people in this room are faithful to give to you, as they give with a cheerful heart, God, I release your blessings over their life. I ask you for financial prosperity in Jesus' name. We thank you that every bill in this place will be paid, God, for all of your people, Lord. We lift it up to you, God. Now anoint this worship, anoint this service, Father, and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Let's just raise our hands right now in this place. Just raise your hands right now. Ha. Mm. Now just start to move your lips with praise. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Come on, church. Just start to use your mouth with praise right now. Oh. Come on, singers. Let's set an attitude of praise here, singers. Oh, Reach out to heaven. Tell heaven, tell God in heaven that you love him. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, who woke you up this morning? Who gave you air in your lungs this morning? Who put a pep in your step this morning? <laughs> who said, wake up, it's time to go to church this morning? Wasn't it not heaven? Wasn't it not the, the Lord of heaven? Jesus already in this place.
I just saw the first lyric on that, and it says, I want to scream. Does anybody feel like screaming today? Does anybody feel like praising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Yes? Well, let's do it together. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. Come on, let's sing that again. I wanna scream. Come on, come on. Woo! Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout you are good. You are good to me. And I sing because. You are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. You are nothing and no nothing and no one anywhere close to you. The earth and oceans only reflect this truth, and in my darkest night, you shine. Good and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. Let me hear a shout. And I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. Come on, I want to scream. I want to scream. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I sing because you are good, and I dance, and I shout because you are good, you are good. nothing and no one, nothing and no one, anywhere close to you, the earth and only reflect this truth, and in my darkest night, you'll shine Come on, hold on. Just a kick. Just a kick. All right, come on. Y'all can clap. You know what? I woke up this morning and I thought, we're going to go to church today. We're going to go to church. Yeah. 
We're going to go to church bright and early. And I'm not going to let my body stop me. <laughs> you know, for some of y'all, you know, you guys probably don't know what that means. Big guys, we get tired really fast. <laughs> but I'm not going to let my body stop me, all right? I'm not going to let the work week stop me. Amen? I'm not going to let my neighbor stop me. I'm not going to let my flesh stop me. So together, we're not going to let anything stop us today. Amen? I want us to just get out of our seats. Come on. Just get out of our seats. Get, get out of there. Just get. Where, if you're standing somewhere, don't stand there anymore. Come on. Come on. Yes. If you're, if you're at a place, here, let me be specific. Let me be specific. If you're at a place right now that you originally were about five minutes ago, don't be there anymore. We're just going to move out of our comfort zones. We're going to move out of our areas that we, our parameters that we set up. And we're going to sing this song with all of our heart, with all of our, with all of our praise, with all of our emotions. And we're going to do what this song says to do, not because a worship leader says to do it, but because you love God today, because you want to praise him today. Amen. Because you want to show the devil and everybody else that nothing is going to stop you today. So are you ready to praise him? Don't, don't have me take your shoes off now. Don't have me take your sweater off and have you fling it around because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm that crazy. Let's just start here. Amen. <laughs> you guys ready? And I sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are Woo! good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good. Let's go. And I'll sing because dance, you are dance, good dance. and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good, you are good. One more time. And I sing because you are good and I with your voice with your word you said let there be light and there was light you separated dry ground Lord God from the oceans and the rivers God oh God you created every animal 
every being, every plant, God. And then you created man. Oh, God, in your image and in your likeness, you created us. Oh, Lord. And we just want to praise you, God. We want to praise you in this image, in this likeness that you made us in, God. We want to lift you up, Lord. Come on, just lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Come on, when you praise him, you actually look like him. <laughs> when you praise him, you look like Jesus. Whoa! When you praise him, you look just like Jesus. Look, lifting up the Father. Hallelujah. Lift up your hand and say, my hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest
Holy Ghost, move us, move our lips, move our tongues to sing your praises, to sing your words, God. Oh, come on, church, press in, press in right now. You're in his presence right now, but you got to move in faith, move in faith right now. There is a breakthrough for you. There is a breakthrough for you. If you just believe, if you just believe, believe, believe enough, believe enough to press in, believe enough to sit at the throne room next to heaven. Oh, believe, believe, you believe you are seated out high. Believe, believe, believe. He is here, he is here, he is here. Where? In Christ with the Holy Ghost just speak in tongues right now
wants you he wants you all of you all of you all of you don't hold anything back don't hold anything back come on just lift up your hands right now the Lord is gonna move even in your emotions <laughs> he gave you emotions so that you can feel him Oh, oh, softening your heart right now. Come on, if you're feeling Jesus, if you know these words are for you, just wherever you're at, if you're able, if you're physically able, just fall on your knees right now. Just fall on your knees. If you know the Lord is calling you as a sign of humility, as a sign of worship, as a sign of surrender, just say, here I am, God. Here I am, Lord. Come on, just tell him. Tell him, here I am, God. You know my heart. You know how, how broken it is. You know how many pieces it's been shattered into, God. But give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. Come on, just tell them. You know how they hurt me, God. You know how they confused me and ridiculed me and put me down, Lord. But you felt the same thing. You sympathized with me. You felt the same thing. On the cross, you were there, being ridiculed, being mocked, being hurt, being falsely accused. You know how I feel, Lord. You know how I feel. You know how I feel, Lord. Because you felt it too. You sympathize with me. says don't quit don't give up don't let them drag you through the mud my spirit is in you says the Lord my spirit is in you my spirit is in you Spirit, your spirit, your spirit. 
place right now, Lord. We respond to you. You don't want church as the ordinary structure, God. You want it your way. You want to meet with us. Jesus. 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 
time right now. I just feel the Lord is saying, this is the moment right now. You're about to go to this next place. I want you to, to see something. I want you to meet with me here. Because where you're going, it's unlike anything you've ever been before. It's not like anywhere you've ever been before. He says, right here, right now, he's meeting with you. He's letting his spirit fill you up because you're not going to do it on your own. You're not going to do your own life on your own. It's going to be through his spirit. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you here. He doesn't want you just to leave the same way. He's saying, I don't want you just to miss this opportunity. Be sensitive to my spirit. Do not miss this opportunity. I want to meet with you right here, right now. Just call on his name right now. Call out the name of the Lord. The name given above every name. Jesus. 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 Yes, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Meet with me. Come on, say meet with me. You are so real, Lord. You desire to meet with your church, Lord. We thank you, God, for being alive, for being active, for moving within us, Lord, for speaking your word through us, God. Jesus, we love you in this place. We just adore you. We extol you in this place, God, because you are worthy, Lord. You took it all on the cross for us, God. And because of what you did on the cross, Lord, we are able to come to you to meet with you 
although we may be insignificant in the grander scheme of the whole entire scale of the universe, God, you still meet with us, God. You still meet with us, Lord. So we thank you in this place, God. We love you in this place, Lord. Have your way throughout the entire service, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, hallelujah. Give the Lord just a hand clap of praise. You guys may find your way back to your seats. everybody here today. My name is uh, Ellie. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I have the privilege and the honor to share with everybody in this room the gospel. We do this every single week because we want to give everyone a chance to be born again, to hear the message of Jesus Christ and what he did. If you have your Bibles, you may turn to John chapter 3, verse 3. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. We can dismiss the King's kids if they're already dismissed. They can go out over there. But John chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I'm not in the, the business of giving my own personal opinions. What I'm in the business of is declaring the word of God, declaring the truth. And what this truth is saying to you right here, what this word of God is saying to you, this is actually historical. This has actually happened. Jesus said this. He was talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and he was telling him how he could see the kingdom of God. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You might say, what does born again mean? Why do I need to be born again? Everybody in the world needs to be born again because everybody is born a sinner apart from God. This is evidenced by our own actions as we continue to grow, our own rebellion as we do not want to follow God. We want to do our own ways. Eventually, you get to the point where you have to understand that this life is not about whatever you want it to be. It's actually for God. God created every single body in this room why did he do that? So that he can have a relationship with you, so that you can know him and make him known. But first, what needs to happen is that you need to be born again. There is no little asterisk there that says, well, really, you can be a good person, never follow Jesus, and then you can go to heaven. Really, you can be a good person, and then you can have a relationship with God, even though you don't even care two hoots about what he says in his word. You need to be born again. This is the reality that you're faced with today. It is not a gradual increase because you've decided to get a little interested in God. Oh, suddenly I got the religious itch today. So I want to go to church and I just want to hear a little bit about God so I can set myself up for the week in a positive way. That's not what's happening here. There is no volume control for Jesus. He's saying either you are born again or you're not. Either you're hot or you're cold, but there is going to be no middle or there's going to be no cold spot there. 
Either you're born again or you do not see the kingdom of God. But I want to give you good news today. The good news is that Jesus Christ enabled us to be born again. He died on the cross for our sins in our place so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have true salvation, so that we can be born again. This cross, when you look at it, does this look to you like a suggestion? Does this look to you like Jesus wasn't really meaning what he wanted to do there? He died on the cross, was crucified, an agonizing death. Why did he do it? So that you can have new life. You need to see the cross and you need to say, I need to put my life on that cross. I need to put my old ways on that cross because without that cross, I'm going to face the wrath of God. Without that cross, I am nobody. Without that cross, I am lost. But that cross right there is the good news. That cross right there is showing you mercy. That cross right there is showing you that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who doesn't want you just to fumble for your way through life or doesn't want you just to be lost and go to hell. No, he's saying, I love them so much that I would send my son to die that agonizing death, that punishment that should have been on us for the sins that we have committed, it's on him. And now we can be born again. Now we can have new life. Now we can become children of God. That is the gospel. Do you want that? Or do you want the religious itch, the suggestions, that I go to church just because it feels good? That's not what Jesus did there. He didn't say, I, I just want them to go to church every so often because they want it a little bit. He did it so that you can be born again, transformed, renewed. Everybody, please stand on your feet. There's going to be a time of prayer for everybody here who wants to receive Jesus. If you want to receive Jesus, if you want to rededicate your life, whatever it is, there's going to be two people up here, Griselda and Joselito. They're going to be there to pray for you during a fellowship time. But let's pray. So everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. God, I just, there's no words I can say to you, God, how amazing you are. Lord, you're, you, what you did on the cross, God, there is, there's nothing that I can even do in this life, God, to, to show you that kind of gratitude. What you did there, God, was it changed me. It gave me a new life. And I pray to everybody in this place, God, that they would experience that new life as well, Lord, that they would go after you, God, that they would not make this life about anything else but, but you, Lord, that they would see that you are the, the lover of their life, the author of their life, God, and they're free to have a relationship with you, to be born again, to one day inherit the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God, to go into heaven and to be with you, Lord. God, we thank you in this place, God, for everything that you're doing, God, and I just thank you for the people who will dedicate their life to you, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our, it is our heartfelt conviction that we share this every single week with you guys as well, our confession of faith. We believe this with 100% of our, all of our beings. And I hope that you guys believe it too. We don't just say it aimlessly because we just want to do that, but because this is what we live by. This is what we would die by. So let's repeat in the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys are free to fellowship. Greet your neighbor. Say hi. Love him. Love him.
Amen. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. Thank you so much. We welcome you to Metro Praise International. Thank you for coming and worshiping the Lord with us. Uh, we want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. If this is your first time, if you could just wave your hand in the air. Let's give it up for all the first-time visitors. Thank you for joining with us. On behalf of the leadership, we welcome you. Please come on back, and you'll get to find out all the wonderful things that we have to offer you today. Our services here at Metro Praise are every Sunday at 10 a.m., and then Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. For, uh, for ages 11 to 18 years old. So that is our youth service. They're doing an awesome job reaching their friends for Jesus. Our uh, church is actually expanding. We are growing. We are making room for more people so that Chicago can know Jesus. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we are going to two services. Come on, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. So like I said, we want to grow. We want to make more room. Nudge your, your neighbor's elbows really quick because everybody's got somebody by them. Just nudge those elbows and say, I need more room. So we are making that room, and we are very excited about what God is going to do in MPI through all of you and us reaching this neighborhood, our communities, our families. And so starting next week to kick off Easter in this new season, our sermon series is Who is Jesus? So all the way through the whole month, April 5th, April 12th, April 19th, April 26th, we have all of those sermon titles of what we're going to be talking about. So invite your friends, your co-workers, be intentional about who you're giving these uh, flyers to, and also just put them everywhere, all over the city, wherever you are, so we can get the word out, because we want Chicago to know who Jesus is. And so we also have uh, an overflow parking that's going to come with us having two services. So behind uh, this parking lot right here, which is 5405, our parking lot, 5409, right out past this gate, is another parking lot that's open. So that storefront parking lot is going to be uh, accessible to us. So 5409, whether you come to the first service or the second service, we now have two parking lots that you can park in and be accessibly, you know, in and out. Uh, to come to church. So we wanted to make that known to everybody who wherever you would want to park, we have some extra parking there for you. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. The two greatest commandments Jesus gave us. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. Somebody say threefold. We want to connect you, mentor you, and send you out. Connect, mentor, and send. And the way we connect you to our church is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts on this uh, form, we have all of the lists of life groups for this quarter. We're actually ending out this quarter, starting a new quarter next week, but that's uh, not going to change very much. But find a place to belong, okay? We have all of their needs pretty much met for your family. Any place that you are in life, find a place to belong. And here's a snapshot of the life groups that are happening just this week. So today, Sunday, the single mamas are meeting. Child care is always provided. Come on, I like when you guys shout me down. 5 p.m. today, every Wednesday, or this Wednesday, we have our Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meet here at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group for all the little babies and the children, infant to 11 years old, 6.30. That's every week. Drop off your kids, pick them up. They have their Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. It's Royal, uh, Royal Rangers and Impact Clubs where they get discipled 
for the Lord. And then every week on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house and one at the Walker's house. So if you are an adult, 18 years and older, that's where you want to be on Friday nights. Because if you're not, you are missing out on life, okay? So if you want to get connected, you want to find a good church, or you've been coming for a while, go to those life groups, 7 p.m. every single Friday. Get into fellowship and get deeper in the word of, of God. And every Saturday we have evangelism. You meet at the church at 5 p.m. And we train you. We, we take you out to the streets so you can preach the gospel on the streets and teach people about Jesus. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. That's done one-on-one. -on -one. When you graduate that, you get to the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. Because we want to raise you up to be leaders in the church so that we can win our world for Jesus. So that you, we can send you out to do great things for God. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples. Somebody say disciples. 100,000 of them in this city with 50 churches and then 500 churches around the world. If you believe we could do that, by God's grace and power, say amen. We have a vision and it is real, and it is tangible, and you have a part to play with it. So we just have to be faithful. Somebody say, just be faithful. Come on, who's excited to learn about tithes and offerings this morning? You can look up uh, at the screen, or you can go into your uh, safari, and you can go to givingbook.org. All of our lessons come from uh, Disciples Giving Book. You can find it on our website. We are on section one still of the book on tithing. Section one is all about tithing. And today we will be talking about uh, the tithe is mandated for all, lesson 13. And if you could also please turn with me in your Bibles, you could just look up at the screen uh, to follow along the notes. But in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. The tithe is mandated for all. The definition of tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. If you haven't learned so far in the last 13 weeks that you've been here since we started the new year, started these lessons, God wants us to be faithful with the tithe. Let's read our scripture verse this morning. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Let's read the main points from that verse. Number one. The early church met on Sundays. The first disciples changed their main meeting day from the Jewish Sabbath, Saturday, to Sunday, the first day of the week, because it was the day Jesus raised from the dead. That is why 2,000 years later, Christians still make Sundays their main day of worship. Number two, set aside some of your income. Notice how Paul refers to the tithe by teaching, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. He was very specific about that. It goes with our income. This helps us understand that the early church followed Malachi's instructions and gave one tithe from their total income, like how Jacob did before the law came with its different regulations in giving. So we see that teaching of tithe and setting aside that sum from our income all throughout Scripture, and it's still mandated for us today, and we have to be obedient to that. Number three, Paul collected the tithe. Since Paul was the Corinthians apostle and overseer, he was trusted with the task of gathering the tithes and using them for God's kingdom. Just like in our times, Paul needed to provide for the teachers among them, 
care for the poor and cover the church's expenses. So when you give your tithe, the leadership collects it and uses it for God's glory. How many of you guys are excited and thankful and happy that you have leaders and an apostle here that collects the money and we use it for God's glory, for God's kingdom? We want to take care of the poor. We want to help those in our city. We need to pay the bills. We want to pay the teachers among us, the pastors among us, and you guys make that possible. Here is the summary. Follow the pattern of the first disciples by setting aside your tithe and giving it to the church every time you receive increase. Let's apply this. Number one, repent if you have not been faithful and setting aside your tithe every time you receive increase from God. And number two, be faithful either in person or online to give your tithe to the church for the kingdom of God. And we thank you because we are all called to co-labor with Christ and partner together to reach our world for Jesus. And it takes everything that we have, all of our resources, all of our energy and strength to go out, tell people about Jesus, and support financially what God is doing in our midst. Let's confess this together. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel. Revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare and get ready to give our best to God. Again, we at MPI believe the scripture teaches that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and that gets designated towards our tithe and we also believe in giving offering and we designate offering into two areas one is to can you please go back to the next the last slide one is towards missions where we provide uh funds for various mission projects that we will be a part of throughout the year and then our building offering and our building offering currently that we are in is raising money for a 15 passenger van Thank you again for your partnership with that. You guys are doing awesome. We will get that very, very soon in Jesus' name. And I just wanted you to just be very clear on your envelope. When you do designate the amount of money, make sure in each category that you want to give, you are very clear on the envelope how much you want in each category. And again, we uh, want to make you guys aware that we have the ability for you guys to give online uh, payment here in person. So if you want to pay for anything uh, with a debit card, credit card, we have the ability for you guys to purchase a 101 book, a 201 book, any of the books back there, the Bibles. You can do that. You can see Pastor Griselda or myself before or after service. Let's recite this Bible verse together. Acts 20:35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your abundance in our lives. We thank you, God, that you've given us prosperity and blessings and favor in our job and in our family. And I pray that you would continue to do that for your people, for those that have been faithful, God, in giving tithes and offerings. Open up the floodgates of heaven and pour a blessing upon them that they will not have room to receive. Bless their businesses. Bless their jobs, God. Give them increase in the mighty name of Jesus so that we could continue to give abundantly to see your kingdom come to this earth God we put your kingdom first and we believe that you will take care of us in Jesus mighty name we thank you Lord amen praise the Lord please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your generosity
Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a whoop, whoop? Amen. Welcome to the house of God. It's so good to see you here this morning. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We are finishing out today's sermon series on God's great big heart for you. It's been an entire two months. I started with a month, just during the month of February, talking about God's heart. But then um, as we got through that month, I just felt so many more messages come up. So I started speaking all the way through March. And I hope that you've been gathering some things that you can apply in your life to what God is speaking to you. As always, our notes are online, and you can track with us there, mpichurch.org, or you can also just go to the Facebook page, my personal one or the church's one, and you can see what uh, these notes are as well. How many remember when I started off, I showed you that God's love is this big? Anybody remember? And what does that remind us of when we spread our arms like that? Let's all stand up and do that together, can we please? Everybody make the cross like this. Come on. Let's do that. Let's do that. And now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's love is this big. Amen. You may sit down. You may be seated. And camera, I want you to get this illustration. I want you to make sure you get my little guy here. So we started off at the beginning of the month, that uh, February, the beginning of the series, God's love is this big. Toso in Greek, as we teach our children, because my wife is Greek. We say, how much does daddy love you? And they go, Toso, and they spread their arms like that. But can I show you another revelation as we finish the series out about God's love? Lucas, can you come here, please? Let's give it up for Lukester, the cutester. This is my little boy right here. He's two years old, almost three. I love you, little buddy. How much does daddy love you? That's right, this much, this much. Now, that is a revelation of God's love. God loves us this much. But I wanted to show you another revelation. This is how close he holds you in his arms. He loves you this much, but he holds you this close. And sometimes we run away, don't we? Sometimes we don't always want to be that close, but he holds us that close. Now, I want you to think about this as I take off my glasses here. Is there any um, question of whose son this is? As you look at us together, is there any question of whose son this is? When the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. And there is no question who's your Father. There is no question to the devil or to the world that you live in who is your Father. God's love is this big, but it's this close. Let's give it up for Lukester the Cutester. I love you, little buddy. I'm about ready to cry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many are in Ephesians chapter 3? I want to read the scripture that we've been reading every single week starting this series off. This prayer, oh, I don't think he wants to leave daddy. 
How many ever cry when you feel the presence of God leave or not as strong as it once were? Come on, I'll keep making illustrations. He don't want to leave his daddy. And how many know our father never leaves? Even though there are times we feel him closer than maybe times, uh, certain times, but he never leaves. Look at this scripture. Paul is praying a prayer. And I believe it's for us today. And I hope that you hear this message once and for all so that as we get into the Easter season and we get into the theological things about who Jesus is, how he's a savior raised from the dead, he's more than just a good man, he's God in the flesh, how he was a miracle worker, not just someone who uh, lied and deceived. As we get into all of these questions that your generation is asking, let us settle today that God's heart for us is love. That he loves us, red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in his sight. Male and female, young and old, rich and poor, and everybody in between. From this country to every country on the earth to every tribe and language, God loves us. The entire series was for you, congregation, as well as for me, to understand the great bigness of God's heart, his huge heart for us. How many grew in that heart with God, uh, God's love this month, that you realized how much he loved you? I hope that you'll never forget it. Listen to this scripture again then for the last time. I pray that out of his glorious riches, Paul is praying, that he, Jesus, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in his innermost being so that Christ may dwell in your heart. Sorry, he is the Father. The Father wants to give you the strength and the power by his spirit in your inner being so that Christ, everybody say Christ, thank you, may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there you got the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And I pray that you be rooted and established in love may have the what? Power. Everybody say power. power. What does God want you to have? Power. power. Through, uh, together rather, with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How many of y'all want to be filled to all the fullness of God? You know what the Bible says that you can, and that was what Paul was praying for. And I pray that for us today, that all of us would be filled to the full measure of God. Can you highlight uh, back to our notes, please? I lost my marker there. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us and in the church or something. May the praise and glory of the Lord forever. Amen. Something. Let's get back to that. I was going good. Like you were like, Pastor, going good. I'm spitting a little bit too. Sorry about that. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the what? Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what is Paul's prayer for us there? Paul's prayer is that God would strengthen us on the inside that we would know the love of God and that this love would motivate us to do things in life and that because we have God's love, because we have that, we can do beyond what we've ever imagined, dreamed, or thought about. I never thought that I would be holding my son like that. God has already gone beyond my imagination. 
God has already gone beyond that with you being here today as a church. I'm so honored to see what God is doing in this church. And then in your lives, people are telling me, Pastor, I never thought that I would be where I'm at. And I'm not just talking about money because maybe we still all want to win the lottery. But I'm talking about beyond your imagination, about the peace of mind you have. How many have a peace in your heart right now that goes beyond understanding, that goes beyond what the money can give? I mean, there's people who have money that aren't at peace. But you've experienced that. Isn't that wonderful? Some of you thought you could never get off drugs or alcohol or addictions. You're, you're set free today. God has gone beyond your imaginations. Some of you never thought that you could be married or be true without adultery or pornography. And there are men here today that have a pure heart that literally when they look at their wives, they say, baby, I love you and nobody else. And that is truth. How many are here today to have a testimony of God going beyond your imagination? Amen. For the rest of you, you need to get that testimony. But once again, how many have a testimony of God doing more than what you could ever imagine? Amen. I want to start off today's message. Today's message is God's heart for you, part two. And I'm going to review all of the messages we've gone through so far in this series. But before I do, I want to start off by telling you a poem from this wonderful woman, Annie Johnson. Everybody say Annie Johnson. Thank you. Annie Johnson was alive from uh, 1866 to 1932, and she's most famous for the poems that she wrote, and you may find them every now and then, maybe on a meme or somewhere on the Internet. But what most people don't know when they're reading these beautiful poems is who this woman really was. Annie Johnson had her mother die when she was only three years old. The mother was 23. Soon afterward, while she was still in grade school, her dad gave her up for adoption because he was terminally ill, and then he died a few months later. Then her and her sister were adopted by a Christian family, and that Christian family raised her and, and shared with her the love of God. But in her teens, later teens, both of her adopted mom and dad, both mom and dad died within a few months of each other. Her mom died. Her dad died. Her two adoptive parents died. And then, alone in the world, with just her sister and an aunt who cared for her, she developed a very severe case of arthritis at a young age that caused her great pain, basically made her an invalid, not able to really walk or move around, and even writing became a chore. But yet in her life, despite her great poverty because she didn't have a lot of money, and despite the great pain that she had, she wrote some of the greatest poems that teach us about God's grace and mercy. Her most popular one that I want to read to you today is, He giveth more grace. Everybody say, He giveth more grace. Now, I want to read this to you because I know oftentimes when we talk about the love of God, the first thing that comes into our mind, let's be honest, is often the pain we face in life. I mean, when I talk about the love of God with people in the church and outside the church, most of the time they go, yeah, I understand it, but I don't always feel it because my life's been terrible. Or, you know, if God loved me, why would I go through this situation? And that's not just like I said on the streets, it's in the church. Why did my parents have to die? I mean, I know God loves me, but why did my parents have to die? My mother, who's been a Christian for over 30 years, uh, told us one time, because uh, Ishmael, how many enjoyed Ishmael's worship this morning? Let's give it up for our brother, amen. 
very passionate. Uh, some people, you read about David in the Bible, this man has like a David-like spirit. And if you think it's weird at times when we talk about God speaking through us, don't think it's weird. Your whole Bible has God speaking through us, amen? And we're very open to that here, but it is organized. I do want to let you be aware of that. We don't just let anybody and do anything, amen? Uh, but, but one of our favorite songs a while back that Ish would love to play would be a song by Rick Pino called We Have the Best Dad. And, and, and um, Ishmael would play it so wonderfully, and it would go like, We have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world, oh, we. And people would just jump around. And my mother, being saved over 30 years, says, I hate that song. And I said, Why? She said, Because I had the worst dad in the whole world. And when you change the term from our heavenly father to dad, I can't sing it. She said, I've always thought of God as my heavenly father, but once you replace that with dad, there's a connection of a negative experience. See, there's so many people in the body of Christ that have trouble seeing God in certain ways because of the pain they've been through in life. So let's be very honest with ourselves as we're closing out this series. You've had some troubles in life. You've gone through places and valleys where maybe you didn't think God was there. Maybe there were times that you felt alone. Maybe you've questioned God exist, his existence itself. Does God even exist? I want to read you this poem from this woman who lost her mother, father, adoptive mom and dad who developed arthritis because I want you to see it all depends upon your perspective. It's like do you see God in the pain or do you only see the pain? She had a choice. Would I only look at the pain and the sorrows of life or would I look for hope beyond the scope of human limitation? How many are ready for this poem? It's a beautiful poem. Get ready to get your world rocked right here. I can't highlight the whole thing, but you know where it's at. Starting right here. He giveth more grace. Everybody say, he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns for his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing the Father, both thee and thy load will upbear. Listen to this last part, which is so touching. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary, known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Christ, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. There is no scenario. Amen. If you want to clap, let's do it. Come on. Praise God. There is no scenario in your life where your pain will ever outdo God's healing. 
There is no problem that you'll ever face where it will outdo God's solution. You'll never find your place in life where there is so much despair where God's grace and mercy won't meet you there. And I'm rhyming a little bit. Every place you find yourself in life, whether it's at the bedside of a loved one about ready to pass from this world to the next, whether it's watching the people you love throw their life away as parents have watched rebellious teenagers go, whether it's you losing a job and having to start over again in life, you will find that out of his infinite riches in Jesus, God giveth and giveth and giveth again. He gives us his mercy. He gives us his grace. He pours it out. When I was in my toughest places in life, I found that God was greater. Now you have a choice to make right now. Honestly, this is not a sermon where I'm going to you know, uh, make you believe this. You have a choice to whether or not you're going to believe this. I can't talk you into this. We're all here in church. We all love each other. We're, we're here acknowledging God. At least most of us love him. That's why we're here today. And, and so it's, it's not that there's any more religion that you need to get, to get where you want in, in life. There's, there's no more religion, friend. This is it. This is the end of the show, really. You've come to church, you've sung your songs, you've confessed your creed, you've heard the preacher preach. That's all religion offers you. I mean, I guess I could feed you a wafer and pour some grape juice down your throat, but that's about it. Hello? At the end of the day, what is going to matter is, do you, do you, do you, ma'am, sister, brother, young person, do you know the living God? And does his love transcend your life? Now, there are stories of people going through hardships, and I can name personal stories and stories in the church, but I won't. I'll just give you in general right here. There, there are stories where siblings go through the same trauma. One sibling finds nothing but despair and gives up on life, and yet the other finds Jesus in love and comes through it better than they went into it. There are stories of co-workers both losing their jobs, both having to sell their homes, go bankrupt, and yet one grows stronger with their family, grows stronger in their faith, while the other one turns to alcoholism and despair. It's your choice today. And I'm not just saying it's your choice to have a PMA, positive mental attitude, and you'll wish your problems away. That's not Paul's prayer. Paul is praying that in your spirit, God will strengthen you with his power that you'll have power on the inside. Or you could say it like this, power for your hour of need, baby. God will come in your hour with power from on high. He will show up and show off. And as the old timers used to say, he may not come when you want him. You may want him to come at that deathbed and raise that person up, but he may show up at the gravesite. But you got to be faithful to be at the bedside and the gravesite. You don't quit on God just because things didn't work out the way you planned it. You say, God, come hell or high water, I'm walking with you. Because if we stick with him, we'll get his benefits and his blessings. I see him in this sermon series speaking to this church specifically, and he's basically saying these few things to us, and these are the messages that I've brought to you, and I'll go through the review very quickly because then I want to preach uh, spontaneously, but here's what I believe God has been speaking to us. The first message, 
God's heart for you. And we showed you how big his love was on the cross. And what he wants you to see is that he wants you to be filled to the fullness of who he is. That's his heart. So you could be alone today in the worldly sense. You could be by yourself and yet be full of God. You could be full of God. You saw that hideous video of those uh, ISIS men uh, decapitating those Egyptian Christians. They were full of God. They were full of God. They were alone. Their family couldn't save them. They were suffering for their faith. Yet, if you could have looked at their soul, you would have seen it was full and overflowing. Yet, some of you, you get cut off in traffic, and your your meter is on E. How dare we get so fluctuated by the minuscule things of this world when there's people suffering, and yet they're full of God's grace and glory. Now, I know, Americans, we have our problems as well. We have our Internet bills to pay and our cell phones bills to pay. And I know we have to eat the good food and then spend more money to lose all that good food that we've eaten. I know that we have our troubles, and I'm teasing a little bit. But the question is, does God fill us with his fullness in those times? If you ever come to me and say, I don't believe God has filled me with his fullness. The only thing I can tell you is that you have filled yourself with something else. You see, if I go to my mom's house and I eat all of her good lasagna, I can't be filled with junk food after that. How many are looking forward to some Easter dinners coming up? Okay, after you've eaten everything at that Easter dinner, if I try to give you a slice of pizza or Chicago deep dish, could you then eat it after that? Not if you did it right by your, your family, you know what I'm saying, because they're going to keep feeding you and feeding. Anybody got families like that and feeding you until you're like, no, really, I will puke on the table if I eat another bite. That's what I have to do with my Greek family. I'm like, I am done. I mean it. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? We don't, we, we don't look at that like when it comes to God. We'll go to the world and we'll munch on all these junk foods, and then we say, oh, I don't know if I have room for God in my life. I don't really feel God. Well, that's because you've been filling yourself with Doritos and pop and all of these other things. Get rid of that, and you'll see how quickly God will fill your life, and you'll see how satisfying it is and how nothing else can do. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is not make-believe, friends. This is real. Number two, we heard from our elders. How many were thankful for Pastor Berto and Griselda? Can we give it up for them? Amen. Thank you for preaching. I wanted them to represent elders in our church other than myself to share with you their heart and, and what God's heart was for this church. And if you summed up that whole message that we had, it was the church will only be successful when God's heart is in all of us. Amen. So it's not just God's heart needs to be in the pastor. No, God's heart needs to be in you. How do you treat us? How do you treat each other? How do you treat the community? If the first thing that goes wrong, you go to Facebook and go, I don't like that church. You have a terrible heart. Hello? If the first thing you do is complain publicly, you have a terrible heart. Do you love the church like Jesus loves the church? And if everybody's always like, I'm in need and they didn't help me, I'm in need and I didn't help, who are you helping? Do you help missions because they're in more need than you are? Shame on us for getting so self-centered. You get what I'm saying? So many times in the church we want to point the fingers at each other. Okay, okay, I understand. I'm a pastor. I get it. So what do you want us to do? All quit? You see, don't you understand? That's where it leads us. 
If we all just get upset with each other, all point fingers at each other, then we all just quit and go home anyway. And who wins? The devil wins. See, I got the worship leader to get upset with the children's pastor. And the children's pastor got upset with the techie guy. And then the techie guy got upset with the greeter. And the greeter got upset with the, with the charitable giving and this and this. And everybody's at odds with one another. No, my friends, the church is a body of people. Am I standing here alone today? It's us. We reflect Jesus to this city. We do. We do. If we can't give you $1,000 to pay your bills, it's because we don't have $1,000 in the bank. So if you're always asking the church for money, come talk with some of the rich people or well-to-do people in our church and ask them for yourself then because I've already asked them for offerings for missions. I can't manipulate people any more than that. Are you listening? I'm not going to be guilty of trying to shake people loose of their money. And I cannot ask people here that don't want to serve to serve more than they can. If children's workers need help and the children's pastor blames you for not helping, what more can I do for the children's pastor other than tell you we need help in the back? Now, thankfully, everything is good in the church, amen? I'm just using hypothetical examples. You're like, no, really, I'm going to research this. Are we, are we, do we need $1,000? No, everything's good. But I'm just putting that in your mind. It's a we thing, not a you thing. If you're ever in the church pointing the finger at you, then let me help you understand that you're the problem. When you use the words we, you're part of the solution. And it's easy to church hop. Oh, hello, somebody. I could church hop. Any church you could go to on a Sunday, I could beat you there and be your pastor. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here and tell Pastor Joe how much I don't like him. If I love Metro Praise, they would say, Pastor Joe, come preach to us this morning, and I'll be preaching to you over there. Because they like me more than they like you. Do you understand? I'm a good preacher. Come on, somebody. What, you don't think I can preach? You think that church down the road wouldn't let me preach in their pulpit? You are. It's your mind. I gave up preaching in other churches so I could be here every Sunday. Now, that's not a pat on the back or boasting. It's just a fact. I don't want to be like the Michael Jordan and be like, I don't know if I can play. Come on, Mike. You know you can play. I know I can preach. Are you listening to me? Why do I stick with Metro Praise? It obviously is not for the size of the building. I stick here for the people. I love the people. And this is the people. This is the steeple. And here we all are. You guys understand what I'm saying. Everybody make the church right here. Make your little thing. Say, this is the steeple. This is the people. And I don't remember the next part. This is the steeple. There we go. There they are. Come on. So, you know, and, and let me just give one more example before I move off on it, because I really believe this is God's heart for us. My friends, if you talk about me, I can talk about you. Is that what you want? Do we want a church where their pastor talks about people all the time? Because I could talk about you. So let's not make it a you thing. Let's make it a we thing, and let's understand that God's heart needs to be for everybody. How many want to see a Bible verse for that? Instead of pastor just being sassy. Go to 1 John 3.16. I want to welcome our guests all the way from Urbana, Illinois, with my favorite pastor in the world, Pastor Gary Grogan. Let's give it up for Christian and his parents. So whatever you see wrong in me today, tell Papa G that he needs to fix it because that's my mentor. I love him so much. He's been a spiritual father and mentor to me for many years, and he will be preaching here soon. And the son here is uh, going to be joining us in the cohort for the Bible College. Look at uh, their son. Look at 1 John 3.16. 
This is God's heart for the church. This is how we know what love is. Everybody say what love is. So you, you want to know what love is? You want to know how to do it? You want to love in the church? You want to be right with God? Here's how we know. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, I can't get into your business. I can't. I don't know if you can give more than what you're giving. I don't know if you can serve more than what you're serving. I don't have any idea. I'll take your word for it. Now, if I then see you out at the club, then I may have to take your Facebook's word for it, okay? I can't help out with the youth group, and then I see you backing it up on Friday night. That, that might be a problem, okay? That might be a problem. But let your Facebook tell on you, not me. I'm not snooping around, okay? But I can tell you this. I have a clear conscience. I've done all the good that I can. Now, that may sound prideful, but I believe you could say that, too, if you've really been sensitive to what God says. Did you look at your checkbook this week and say, God, have I given all that I can? I believe that my family did. Have you looked at your schedule this week and say, can I give God more? And if God says, no, I need you here, that's wonderful. We don't want your kids hating church because you're at church all the time. Do I really have to go to Metro Praise again? No, we want Metro Praise to be a joy to your children, right? Every person in their relationship with God needs to determine, have they laid down their lives for each other? And I hope that you don't see us getting into your business, so don't get into your neighbor's business. But I believe if we all do our part, if the hand does the hand part and the knee does the knee part and the elbow, we can work together as the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. So that was part of that little sassy rebuke that we got back then. And I brought it back up, but somebody said, Jesus loves me. Amen. Let's go to the next one, our review in God's heart. We talked about God's heart for your family. To sum up that whole message is we learn that God is the center of the family and that when our lives put, uh, when we center our lives around him, he will bless our family. So if I want my children to grow up and have a good life, do I tell them just to go to college? No, I tell them about Jesus. Is college the answer for morality in this world? If I send more students to college, will I get more morality? Will they go to heaven better? No, but if I teach them Jesus, if I do Sunday school with them at home on Monday, Monday school, if I pray with them and teach them the ways of God, am I now setting them up for success in college? Am I setting them up for success on their jobs? Amen, I believe that. Number four, how many remember the message for God in the city? Some of you. Was anybody here for that day? Was I preaching by myself? Look, go with me to Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. How many know God loves Chicago? How many know God loves Chicago even when Chicago doesn't love God? How many believe that? I don't think it's, it. I don't think it's over for Chicago yet. I think Chicago still has better days ahead. Now, I'm not going to get into the meritorial race and give you my, my prediction here. I think both of them need to repent and come to Jesus, okay? Now, you can find the better one that you like, and you can promote it on your Facebook page. But right now, I'm just praying that one of them becomes like the tin man and gets a heart, and one becomes like the, uh, the scarecrow man and becomes brave, and the other one gets a brain. I'm just praying that some Wizard of Oz stuff happens in politics. Which one didn't have a brain, the scarecrow? And then the lion lacked courage, right? And then which one didn't have a heart? The tin man. There we go. So they need a heart, courage, and a brain. Lord, do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. How many ever heard the story of Jonah and the whale? 
Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh to tell them about God and to tell them to repent. Jonah did not want to do that because, like most Jewish people of his time, he hated the Ninevites. The Ninevites of that city, Nineveh, were of the country Assyria, and they were wicked and treated the Israelites harshly. Eventually, the Assyrians actually captured Israel and made them slaves, as well as Babylon. But at this time, God was showing that he cared for the Ninevites. What an example of God's love for the nations. It's not that he just loves the church. It's not that he just loves the us that's here today. He loves the most wicked and vile among us. He loves those in the jails today. He loves those in gangs today. He loves those promoting homosexuality. He loves corrupt politicians. He loves what we would consider are the most wicked. That's how Jonah felt about the Ninevites. Can I get a witness? Amen. But yet God cared about them. And when Jonah ran away, God still pursued his call for his life until he got thrown off that boat in a storm, swallowed by a whale, and spit up at the shores of Nineveh. Now, some of you may be running from your call. You may be afraid to stand in front of the high schools and tell them about Jesus. You may not want to join us for Boricua Fest come Father's Day weekend at Puerto Rican Festival at the Humble Park. You may not want to join us on Saturdays or knock on doors before the Friday Bible study. But I want to tell you, God will not stop pursuing you until you get his heart as he loves this city. Because God is not okay with our neighbors going to hell. God is not okay with the young people going to hell. God wants to bring change, and you are that source of change. Now look at what he said at the end of the whole story. Jonah's chilling. Here he's under a, a tree. The tree dies. He has no more shade. He's like trying to relax after he did all this preaching. He's a little bit bitter at God for spitting him up in front of this shore because he really didn't have a choice at that point to preach. And then he gets all mad that this tree died, and he cares more about the tree than he does about people. And look what God tells Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant, he said? And, he, and, and then he said, it is. I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Look at this bad attitude. See, that's stinking thinking right there, right? How many have ever felt that way before? You just get upset. You're just so discouraged. But look what the Lord says to him. You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not even attend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Now look at verse 11. Should I not have concern, everybody say concern, for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And also many animals. God loves the animals. Because you got to eat something. Those 120,000 people got to eat something. You know what I'm saying? That's why he cares about it. You want to make sure that you can get some good to eat, you know? Do you care about Chicago? Nine million people in this city. Would you stand up for me, Brian? Show them your shirt. Everybody give it up for Brian wearing a Chicago for Jesus shirt. What are you doing with that heart? What are you doing with that heart of love for this city? Have you told anybody about it? I'm going to embarrass one of my friends right here, but Marcel has been come. Marcel, would you stand up? Let's give it up for him. Hand clap. Come on. Marcel, you may be seated, but Marcel recognized me, or didn't know me rather, but recognized a shirt like that, Chicago for Jesus, at uh, what, what place was that at? Gar Go Gilbert's Farm. Gilbert's? Gobert's. Thank you, tongue-twisting word. Gobert's, Gobert's Farm. And he goes, oh, man, that's a cool shirt. Tell me about it. And we began to talk, and we found out as we were way out there in Hoffman Estates that he lived by the church. He's been coming with his family ever since then, and now his cousin Jennifer is there. We're going to clap for you too, Jennifer. Woo, woo. 
Wow. You mean just wearing a T-shirt and having a smile on my face showed that I cared for the city? Yeah, that's a good place to start. It's better than complaining. It's better than making more of a problem. Why don't you start where you're at? I know I used to make fun of people wearing Christian T-shirts, but we live in a day and age. I'm like begging you to wear a Christian T-shirt. Start there. Start by handing out a flyer to the Easter production. Start by asking your coworker if you could pray for them. You know, you hear about their problems going on. Hey, I just heard you talking about that. Can I pray for you? You know, you want to go out for lunch? I'll treat you. I, you know, I got some things I can share with you. I mean, can we make an effort, Metro Praise, to share God's heart with this city? If you want to, can I hear an amen? Amen. The next thing that we learn when we look to God's heart uh, is we see that God cares about us during trials. How many have ever been through a trial? a time of testing, you know that what we got from that message when we went through it is that God loves us and that everything we face is Father filtered and it will work for your good. Let's turn there quickly to Romans 8, 28. Think of a filter in a faucet and how water has to pass through that filter to get into your cup. There is no problem in your life that God is not filtering. Now you and I may hate that problem and God may agree with you and be like, I don't agree with this. I hate this. But why does he use it? He uses it to show us that we need him in life. See, sin is a separation between us and God. And when mankind loves sin, they become comfortable in their life. God sometimes uses the pain of sin, not that it's our fault, but to show us to separate from sin and come to him. Can I give you a perfect example of this? My one friend had a beautiful house. He had bought a, um, an RV, had bought a large uh, boat, and was living the dream. And praying and spending time with God was never on his mind because he was always busy. Sundays were spent at the lake and on the river. When that economy crashed, our economy crashed in 2008, he lost the RV, the boat, his business, and almost his house. He began to pray again. You see, he had a choice at that moment. Will he look at the evil of the world and push him away from God, or will he look at that as a little bit of an indication of the judgment to come when everything we have burns up anyways? You see? Sometimes we curse sickness, and I hate sickness. I know you do as well. But you know what sickness shows us in our body? is that this body is destined to die. Every time I put on my glasses, every time if you're a diabetic, you have to take medication, you're being reminded that God promised you a heavenly body. But there are some people that want to ignore that and worship their body. Now, I have no problem with you getting in shape, but listen to me, gentlemen. If you're taking selfies with your shirt off, you are a idolater. No, I'm kidding. I got like three amens on that. And ladies, I just got to go to the selfie pose for ladies. It is, it is, <laughs> I see some ladies, don't be getting mad at me because I know I got a lot of lovers of selfies up here. And you know, you put it way up here, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to call that doubt you, but I'm just going to say like when we love the body that much, we're forgetting this body's going to die. Everybody look at the person you're sitting next to. 40 years from now, they won't look like that. 40 years from now, they won't look like that. They won't. Somebody's like, I'm going to look sexier. That's right. Okay. But the point is, 
Hair will grow where? From your ears and your nose. Now I, I, when I was a young man, I just wanted to shave. I wanted to be cool. Now I'm shaving places that I never thought I would shave. Literally, literally, whenever I trim up, I have to trim my ears and my nose. How many brothers know what I'm talking about? How many women know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I never knew that women had nose hair and all that stuff till I got married. Oh, oh, I just. Will I be, will I be eating cereal tonight? You, anywho, I'm giving away the secrets now, but you know, all of our bodies are going to die. And so. When we look at trials, we should say physical trials, emotional trials, all of these relationship trials. How many people have ever had friends leave you? You know what that reminds you of? One day you'll stand before God's judgment seat alone. You know? Every trial you go through, you can point back to the fall of mankind, and then you can say, I can see why God is probably filtering this through. Let me even give you the most hideous one with uh, Nazi Germany. God allowed that to show the wickedness in men's heart to kill his own people, to kill his people. He showed us, now for this point on, I can point to a disaster of evil. He used the African-American slave trade to show us what people were capable of when you took off restraint. Now, of course, these people burn and go to hell, but it teaches humanity a lesson. Don't do that. This is what it looks like. What does Mardi Gras teach me every year I go? What does it teach me when I see people on Bourbon Street exposing themselves in drunkenness? And guess what? It's not just homeless people. It's doctors and lawyers flying down on private planes, college students. What it shows me is this is what happens when you block off a street and say, do whatever you want. See, so what do the trials and tests, life, death, problems show us? Romans 8.28. Uh, please go there in your Bible. Romans 8.28. It shows us that everything is Father filtered. And if we're a Christian, we can trust that God will work it for good. God says he will right every wrong that were done to the Jewish people. Every person that suffered through the hands of slavery or suffered through injustice will be made right on judgment day. Everyone will be rewarded for wrongful suffering. Do you know that? If you suffered wrongfully, the Bible says you will be rewarded. But if you took judgment into your own hands, you will not be rewarded. Now, of course, I do believe in just war, but I think you guys get the point here. It says, and we know. Somebody say, I know. Come on, let's get Rachel up on the keyboard. Somebody say, I know. Look at your neighbor and say, you know. So now how many people know? We know. Come on, say it again. Say, I know. Say, you know. And say, we know. Amen. Vinny, let's get Vinny up here. Yeah, find one of them, uh, por favor. Thank you, sir. Oh, there she is. Let's get it up for Rachie Rach. Did you just come out from the, the children's area? Okay, you're awesome. That's maybe why they give you a half clap. Can we give her a full clap? A full clap. And we know, I know, you know, we know that, all, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So God is working through your trial. Do you see him working? Do you see him working? Who have been called according to his purpose? For those God foreknew, he has also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and sisters. Those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. 
How many have been on a plane before? Y'all been on a plane before, right? What happens as you get higher to the things of the earth? They get smaller, don't they? Has the actual size of the thing on earth changed? No. Your perspective, though, has changed. God's heart for you in trials is to have his love be what you trust. Yes, people will let you down, but he wants you to see his plan through the trial. He wants you to trust him. Parents can let you down, but he wants you to trust him. Jobs, is everybody tracking with me? Yes, this remains the same. Until God judges the world, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, injustice, it's down here, and we face it. But to have the kingdom of God in your life will change your perspective. Can I blow your mind? Put up that picture of Jesus on the cross. We're about ready to celebrate Easter, aren't we? Can you think of anything more tragic than what was done in this picture? God became man. The creator of the universe became man. And his own creation pulled out his beard, whipped him, spit on him, beat him, put a crown of thorns on him, and threw him up on a cross and nailed him to it, and then mocked him. This is the tragedy of the ages. Yet he willingly did it. Now you want to hear his perspective? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did he endure such pain in opposition and rejection to the point where the Father turned his back on his Son when he became sin for us? Three in the afternoon, the sun became dark. He cries out, La Eli, Eli, Lama Sabak, and I, my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me, my God? At that moment, he says, My joy in this purpose is the plan of God. For I know it's been set before me, and it makes my pain worth it because I see my purpose. Your pain is not greater than his. And as a matter of fact, he said, let me carry it for you. So how will you make it through your pain when you see God's purpose? Write it down. My pain has a purpose. My trial has a purpose. My relationships breaking up. The economy has a purpose, and God will use it for good. Can I get an amen? We then learned about your purpose and that you're more than what you do. We go back to the notes. You're more than your job title. You're who God says you are. I am who God said I am. I'm not just what I do for a paycheck. I may be your pastor. I may be Hannah and my children and Lucas's father. I may be Nancy's husband. I may be a publisher's author. I may be a Bible college's professor. But before all of that, I am a son of God. I am a son of God. 
And one day I won't write anymore, but I'll still be a son of God. One day I may not teach anymore, I'll still be a son of God. If I lost my wife or my family, as some people tragically have, I'll still be a son of God. Titles and positions and places in life may change, but who I am never changes. Then if I stand on that foundation, I can be the best father because I know who I am. I know who I am. I can be the best husband because I know who God said I am. I can be the best pastor because I know who God said I am. And if I stumble and fall, I can receive forgiveness and not condemnation because I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 in closing. Don't let the music put you to sleep. Come on, open up your Bible. Somebody want to hear a few more points before we go. Amen. 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1. Do you know who you are? I know it's easy, especially for men. I know it's easy to get confused with your career and your identity. I know mothers in here, I know you're a mother, you're a mother, you're a mother. And I know sometimes you can get so busy where you wonder where God is. And I'm not saying neglect your children. I'm just saying I know you can get so busy with this position. And then all of a sudden your kids are 18 and you're like some mothers that I've talked to. And you have an empty nest syndrome because you don't know your purpose anymore. Because all you were here to do was raise kids, raise kids. You never took time for yourself. You never took time to know your God. And young people, you're so busy. I got to graduate. I got to go to college. I got to have a job. I got to have money. I got to have this. And one day you'll have all of that and you won't know who you are. You won't know who you are. You'll be sitting in a big house and a divorce served on your desk and you won't know who you are. So many of my friends find themselves in that place right now. This is what God said through the Apostle John, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. He loves us this much with the love of the cross, that big. And he loves us this close, the intimacy of a father and a son. Think about the love, the great love the Father's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So who are you? Are you just doing positions at the places you're at, filling the need, or are you living out your purpose as a child of God? And I will put my name on the line for this, that when you know who you are, you will be the best at what you do. Challenge me at that. Challenge. I don't care what your job, I don't care if you're like my father-in-law and you're a custodial worker at a school. Find if this works or it doesn't. Test this out. If I know who God said I am, I'll be better at the position that I am in. Try it. I believe it will work. And lastly, everybody say my thought life. You know that God cares about your mind? Turn with me quickly to Isaiah 26, 3. How many enjoyed that message last week? Amen. 
When you think about your thought life, 50,000 thoughts going through your mind, you've got all these different temptations coming in, you've got all these different negative thoughts, you've got all these different feelings, you sit at the place of control of what you're going to think on. The Bible says you have the opportunity to to take thoughts captive, and you also have the opportunity to put your mind on other things. So you you in your mind can say, oh, delete and get rid of a thought, or in your mind you can go download, I want that thought, right? That's what the Bible teaches. Everybody say the Bible teaches. But you know God's heart for you, and I I ended with it last week, and we'll end here today, and then I'm going to maybe just preach the last five minutes uh, spontaneously. I thought this was just going to be an introduction. And then I was just going to kind of share the rest of my heart that I, you know, for the series, but I guess God used it. Look at Isaiah 26.3. 26.3, brother, 26.3. If I said 53, please forgive me. Isaiah 26.3. God has a promise for your mind. You see that highlight? That's my Bible up there, by the way. Isn't that a good one to highlight? If you haven't highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. What are you doing with this up here? What are you doing with it up here? Are you thinking on God today? How many have ever um, caught themselves thinking about something? You said, I shouldn't think about that. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Whether it's perversion, anger, bitterness. You ever been there? How many have ever caught yourself thinking about something you said you weren't going to think about and yet you kept thinking about it and it was almost like a broken record? You ever had it that bad? I remember one time uh, a while back somebody left our church and they were very hurtful in what they did and they said some hurtful things and I could not get it out of my head. I'm talking like I got up in the morning, that's what I thought about, what they said about me. I went through the day, and that's what I thought. And I'm supposed to be stronger than that, right? I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to let that get to me. You know, I'm Superman. I wear the boots and the cape. Got an S underneath the chest, right? Or on the shirt, right? I'm Superman. But it was bothering me. And I went to the Lord. And I said, God, what am I doing wrong? Like, what is this thought? that I, It's just broken record. I just can't get it out. It's like a virus. And God said, because you haven't given it to me. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And this is what he told me, and I think if you pray, he'll tell you something very very similar, because I think it's a practical application of this verse, and I do believe I hear from God. This is what he told me. He said, when you're thinking about them, you're not blessing them. I said, what do you mean? He said, I told you to bless your enemies, and I told you to bless those who despitefully use you, to bless those who persecute you. I told you to bless them, but every time you think about them, you think about how wrong they are. That's why it's sticking in your head. That's why it's affecting your day, and that's why you can't shake that thought. So I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, every time that thought comes up in your head, you bless them. You pray for them. Man, I'm telling you, it was like I hit delete from a file. It was like I pulled up a weed in my mind. I'm telling you, it went by just like that. It went by so fast. Why? Because when that thought would come up, I would say, Jesus, bless them. And I meant it. And I said, Lord, do great works in their life. Change their life. Bless their family. And as I began to pray like that, I began to loose the hold that I had from the bitterness. Bitterness was a hold that I had. It was my grip on that thought. I really, it was my grip. 
And so when I forgave and I blessed and I loved and, and I chose to do what Jesus did on the cross, that grip loosened and God said, now I can transform your mind. Now I can renew your mind. Isn't that powerful? Your mind can be renewed. He's saying, put your mind on me. Be steadfast on me, and I'll keep you in perfect peace. This is not some motivational talk. I'm not promising you something like some slick-haired guy or, or, you know, Tony Little or some infomercial. This is the God of the universe. He's trying to get our attention, and he's saying, if you don't like your thoughts, put your minds on me. He's saying, trust me. Trust me in that person's life. Trust me in that situation. Trust me in that economy. And I'll take care of you. But you know what? We want to figure it out. Don't we? Come on. You know some of you young people single. You got broken up with. You got to figure it out. Who are they dating now? Who are they dating now? Do they really miss me? Come on. You know what I'm talking about, checking on your old friends. Oh, do they miss me? Who, you know, who are they hanging out with? What are they doing now? You know, we want to figure it out. We want to keep control. Well, you get what you want with your thoughts. You can't get everything in life. That is true. I wish I could become fit and lose 30 pounds right now and stop being all healthy pastor and be skinny pastor. Pastor's healthy. He's healthy pastor. I wish I, yeah, I wish I could just think that. But you know, in my mental life, as I think, I really am. If I think about myself being fat and overweight, then I'm going to continually to make excuses to keep eating because that's just who I am. But if in my mind I say I'm healthy, active, I'll start changing the way I eat. Do you understand that? You change your mind, you change your life. Well, doesn't that work the same way with bitterness, unforgiveness? broken heart. So many of you here are with a broken heart. And you, you keep asking God to take it, to take it. And he's saying, I am trying, but you don't let go of it. You don't trust me. I'm trying to put your mind on something else, but you just keep going back. You just keep looking at it and looking at it. And I'm trying to have you release it and look at me and look at me and look at me and forgive like me and love like me and move forward like me. You know, Jesus was the most hurt, rejected person on the planet, yet he forgave and he loved and he wasn't walking around depressed. How many want that kind of life? In closing, could you stand to your feet and give Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, a hand clap of praise. Amen. Isn't he worthy? Amen. Would you look at this scripture with me today? As we close out this series, in closing today, 1 John 4, 8, 18 through 19, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. We've spent two months learning about the heart of God. Do you feel you know about it more? Did you learn anything about God's perfect love this, this series? Amen? Don't fear then. Don't fear sin. Don't fear hell. Don't fear yourself. Let that perfect love drive out everything. You know why? Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now look at this last verse, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. How can I love God today? Because he loved me first. How does Lucas learn love? Because I love Lucas first. My son, right? How will you do it through life today following Jesus? Because he loved you first. He takes the responsibility to be there even if you're not. 
but are you going to love him back and let that love set you free from all of your fears? I want the love of God to set me free. I want to live again as if I had never been hurt. I want to trust God in relationships in this church. I want to love you as if someone like you has never hurt me. I want to love my wife as if a girlfriend never cheated on me. I want the fear of me thinking she'll cheat on me because I was cheated on as a young adult to be driven out by perfect love. I want to raise my children believing that they won't drop out of high school and do drugs like me. I don't want my fears to strangle their life. I want to raise them in love and yes, sound discipline, but I want my love to motivate them, not my fear of them being like me. I want my love for this city to drive out my fear of what I fear we're becoming and what I'm seeing with my eyes on the streets and hearing from politicians. I want love to drive out that fear and I want to believe that the greatest days for Chicago are still in front of us. That if God could fill a room, God could fill a stadium and if he could fill a stadium he could fill heaven with 8 million Chicagoans. It's not too late for us. I want his love to drive out my fear that we're going to hell in a handbasket. I want his love to drive it out. I want God's love. See, what are things in your life that as we end this series that you could say, I want God's love to be the motivation, not my fear. Not my fear. I want God's love to be what keeps me holy, not afraid of going to hell. I do it because he loves me. That's why I don't sin. You see the difference? That's the difference. And so when we go on to other series and we learn other things and we get all deep and stuff, let's remember this. It's always about his love. Power comes from his love. It's in our mind, our heart, our lives, our city. And it's all going to determine how you and I live. It's going to determine it. Right? Because our vision is loving God, loving people, right? We ought to understand something about that here. And so I want to challenge you as you challenge me. Let's love each other. Amen? Let's love people. Let's, let's close out. Father, altar workers, band come. Father, you are love and you love us. Now I pray that that perfect love will drive out fears here. Right now, 30 seconds before you go, get rid of your fears and let love right now heal your heart. You hurt some of mine. Will you be honest in your life right now? Maybe you've been to other churches and you're afraid you're going to get hurt here like you've been hurt there. Let love draw you to this church to be a disciple. Come on. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and trust is an issue or cheating has been a problem or something like that. Let love bring trust right now. Or a marriage. Come on. Maybe you're a young person here and your parents have let you down and you feel that life is going to be like that because everybody lets you down. Your parents let you down. Teachers let you down. Maybe God will let you down. Get rid of that and let God's love set you free right now. All you got to do is say, Lord, take my fears and fill me with your love. Take my fears, fill me with your love. Come on, 15 more seconds. Maybe you're like me. You're trying to, to, you know, to wrestle your past out of your parenting. 
And sometimes you raise your kids out of fear instead of love. Come on, say, Lord, take away that fear. I don't have to yell and scream. I don't have to be abusive. I can lead my children in love. Yes, I'll be strong in discipline, but I can lead in love. Come on, how many of you might be dealing with jobs right now? You're afraid of this. You're afraid of that. You don't know if you're, you know, the economy is still going to affect your position. Come on, say, Lord, I let go of the fear. Though my job gives me money, you give me blessings. And blessings will always supersede my money. Because I can always get more money, but I can never find a place where your blessings are except from you. Get rid of fear. Get rid of fear. And right now, as your heart is open, would you just take the next 30 seconds and just tell God how much you love him? Because he loved you first. Come on, a lot of people are celebrating right now. Palm Sunday, welcoming in Jesus as he came to Jerusalem. Let's welcome him right now with our praise one last time before we leave. Let's just tell him how much we love him. Let's thank him. Thank him for your family. Thank him for what he's brought you through. Thank him that in every pain you've been through, there's been a purpose. In every trial and test, there's been a testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you when I don't feel like it. I bless you for things that are wicked in this world, not because of the thing itself, but because of what you bring through those things. I bless you, not the thing. I love you, God. I love you despite sickness, despite trials, despite rejection. You're so good. You have never left me, God. You have never given up on me, God. You have never quit loving me, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. You give, you give, and you give again. Oh, the love of God knows no height or depth or power. Oh, out of the cosmic tragedy of the ages came the greatest love affair of the ages. God loves man enough to die for mankind. God loves you enough to die for you. Isn't there something to be thankful for today? Enough to come. Take our sins. Take our place. In closing, we're going to pray. 